everybody. Welcome back to Noggin Notes. I am your host, Jake Wiskirchen, and this podcast is just me. Uh, I'm going solo talking about why I believe 2020 isn't necessarily all bad. Uh, you may think, well, yeah, duh, nothing is all of anything. You know, we, we talk a lot about binary language, all or nothing, black or white, um, you know, great and terrible. But um, in this case, I think that there's been this disturbing trend of people believing that the entire year has been awful and they can't wait for it to end. And it's like, yeah, awful things happen in other years too. And maybe we need to be a little more mindful about for that which we're grateful as well as some other stuff that maybe we've overlooked and taken for granted. So this is my opinion on that, and um, you know, feel free to disagree. You can email us at info at nogginnotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org, and we'll be happy to uh, tell you that you're wrong. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I would never do that. Um, please give us your feedback, and in the meantime, maybe consider uh, closing out the year in a, on a positive note. In the meantime, let's thank our sponsors. Uh, as always, Audible audibletrial.com slash notes. If you want to go and get a free 30-day trial on us, you uh, can download some audio content and keep whatever it is that you download. Uh, you get you get one book or one um, you know script or what, whatever it is that you download, and you keep that even if you cancel your trial. So audibletrial.com slash notes for your free 30-day trial. Uh, get in touch with their completely unmatched selection of audio content and plug it in wherever you like to absorb your audio content. This being audio content that we know you're absorbing, because uh, if you wouldn't, if you weren't, you wouldn't be listening right now. Uh, wherever you get this, uh, maybe consider enhancing it and augmenting it with Audible. Also, Zephyr Wellness, the company that I co-own with Lindsay Bell in Reno, Nevada, and Sparks, Nevada. We do a lot in the community, and we're very proud of that. Check out ZephyrWellness.org. And uh, consider supporting some of the things we support, like Walk the Talk America. For a free and anonymous mental health screening, go to WTTA.org slash love and take a free and anonymous mental health screening to check in on your mental well-being and see where you stand. Thanks, as always, for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Jake Wiskirchen, Zephyr Wellness, and... Um, this might just be a Noggin Notes podcast too, so I'll mention Noggin Notes. It's just me opining, and for the first time I'm doing a little simulcast with the video and the audio, and I want to introduce a concept that may make some people's heads pop, but that concept is that 2020 actually hasn't been quite so bad. I know it's popular convention, and the narrative suggests that 2020 is the worst year ever or whatever. Um but there's been a lot of years in human existence, and I'm not sure that 2020 is the worst. I, I don't even know if it makes the top uh, 1,500 years that have ever existed. Um, but I'm not a historian. I'm a psychotherapist, and I do you know, counseling and talk therapy for a living. And from my perspective, as a guy who studies this stuff and works with uh, couples and families and children, uh, I, I, I think that maybe there's some joy to be found among the wreckage. And certainly there's been a lot of wreckage, a lot of stuff that we're not accustomed to, a lot of stuff that our individual expectations, um, you know, had for ourselves that, that uh, didn't get aligned with reality. And when our expectations are not aligned with reality and reality face, uh, fails to um, 
fulfill our expectations, we get disappointment. We get a lot of sadness. And when we experience sadness, if we're not used to tolerating that emotion, we sometimes reach for anger or contempt, or uh, we rationalize and we explain away, or, or we blame shift. And blame shifting is where we we offload the person or the people or the thing that's responsible onto something else uh, to make it make more sense in our head. Um, but I'd like to get away from all that for a second and just maybe for the next few minutes reflect on things that have been positive. And these are anecdotal. They affect my life, and maybe they affect yours too. So I by no means want to suggest that everybody's experiencing the same thing. Uh, if you've listened to me talk on YouTube or, or on the, the podcast for any length of time, you know that my particular um, framework on on how we live life should not be predicated on experiential comparison because experiences can always vary. I mean, we we can watch the same ball game together and have very very different emotional experiences, but the emotions beneath those experiences are absolutely common among humans. And I also happen to believe, you know, studying this stuff for some time, that if we direct our attention to something else, uh, we're going to generate a mood or some emotions that are different perhaps than what the environment is presenting to us. And that's what we call in my world a reframe. So if something negative happens to me, I can reframe that and say, yeah, this, this sucked, uh, and not, but, and alongside the suck, I can, identify something positive to gain from this, a growth experience perhaps, or maybe somebody had some new perspective or we got to accomplish something different that we didn't know we were capable of. So some of these things that have experienced, uh, or uh, sorry, that, that, that we've experienced throughout 2020 might include the traditional occurrences that occur through any year. And those would be births, uh, of which I've known three in my personal life. And uh, when we welcome new life into the world, I think that's that's really very cool, and it should be celebrated. I I certainly am happy to uh, welcome new babies and uh, and provide them some guidance and leadership, and and encourage the same in their parents. Um, yes, there's been a lot of death, and um, we want to acknowledge that, and we want to mourn it and grieve it appropriately. And simultaneously, we don't want to let the the sadness of losing someone, say, to, to COVID, overwhelm or uh, invalidate the experience of bringing new life into the world. And I think it's beautiful that we have new babies coming into the world. Something else that has happened this year, I uh, I've been I've been a wedding officiant for five or six years now, six seven years maybe, and I've married several couples. And in this year, for the first time ever, I got to marry two different couples in the same year. And I think that's really special, too, and it's very precious. Uh, one of those couples got married, and they took advantage of the, the, the COVID restrictions. And, and when the restrictions were lifted back in you know May and June, they rapidly scheduled their wedding, asked me to officiate, and we did it up at Lake Tahoe, and it was very beautiful. The second one occurred in the backyard of my next-door neighbor's house, and I was absolutely overwhelmed with the idea that I would be selected to officiate this wedding, which had to occur in Nevada so that they could be officially legally married. 
because the next celebration will be in Mexico in a year or so. And I think that's really, really cool. So um, there's there's been some celebrations materially, you know, some celebrations that we can put our finger on and and make sure that we, we're paying honor to those processes and and not just like throwing our hands in the air and saying, oh, everything sucks because everything doesn't suck. Everything is one of those extreme language words that we want to try to avoid, at least in my profession, because extreme language invites in an opportunity for binary thinking. And binary thinking is when we go into the either or mindset, all or nothing, great or terrible, black or white. And uh, I've got I've got a different video about this on on YouTube about how binary thinking begets anxiety because you're you're essentially trapped between two extremes. And unfortunately, through the course of our 2020, some of the political chaos and uh, civil unrest that that has befallen our country and and across the world has pushed people into extremes. And extremes don't benefit humanity at all. They, uh, they they promote tribalism and and uh, unless you're in one camp then uh, then you're not like the other camp and and so forth and if you, if you if you can't get along then you must fight and and I, I take issue with that I don't think you must fight I don't think you must be in one camp I think the concept of intersectionality is a good thing I don't necessarily think that intersectionality when you're claiming uh, victim status is a good thing I think there's a difference between being a victim and playing a victim meaning carrying the, the victim status forward uh, such that you can't ever grant um, grace or forgiveness. I think that's probably detrimental to our human relationships. But uh, what I'm trying to do is, is pull people out of those encampments and bring them more toward the center and realize that we have more to celebrate and, and be thankful for than, than probably we give proper credit um, some other great things that have come out of this is that even though we've been isolated through the the lockdowns and so forth, we've actually been able to to foster and promote and develop some uh, different relationships that never may have existed had it not been for that. So think about our previous world, wherein we had to take meetings, um, you know, in person, uh, usually you know in a conference room or over lunches or coffees or whatever. And now we, we get to do it over Zoom. And I say get to very, very specifically and purposefully because Zoom was, was that thing that was kind of thought about as an after effect. And, and sure, pick Microsoft Teams or, or, uh, or any of your, your favorite online platforms. But, but the point is that through telecommunication, we've now been able to connect with people in a different way that we never have before. And through that, I have found some really cool opportunities to – promote and develop some really neat initiatives that are helping folks. Um, yeah, sure, we're, we're locked away and we're isolated and we have to wear masks and separate and so forth. But what we're getting instead is some different ways of promoting what we're doing. And that, and that actually inspires some ingenuity. And that's one of the, the other great benefits of, of this pandemic is that it's compelled people like my profession you know, the profession of psychotherapy and counseling to become competent at telehealth. Now, a lot of us in, in this realm have been suspicious of telehealth, thinking almost like it's something of the occult or to be avoided, uh, that, you know, there's there's risks to, you know, hacking and, and privacy issues and, and all that stuff. And, you know, what do we do if somebody's in a crisis in the middle of a session and how do we respond? Well, well what we've learned is that 
we uh, we need to take adequate account for where the person is and what their address is and what their local resources are so that we can um, gently shepherd them through whatever they may be going through in the middle of the session. And I think that's really, really cool. Telehealth is here to stay. And in a humble brag, uh, back in March, I predicted that this would be one of the many silver linings to emerge from the pandemic and from the lockdowns. I, I thought that it would be a good thing that counselors would be forced to become good at executing talk therapy through a virtual platform. And as it turns out, we have become very, very good at that. And while some people lament this change and they, they long for you know the days of yesteryear when we could sit in the same office and, and feel each other's energy in person, and, and there is some merit to that, I think what it's offered us is the opportunity to break down some barriers and promote more care access, not just geographically to rural areas like in Nevada. I mean, I'm in northern Nevada, and I'm in an urban community in the in the Truckee Meadows, Reno Sparks area. But Nevada is comprised of about you know, 110,000 square miles, uh, about 88,000 square miles of which are not urban. And those people way out in the distant communities don't have access to things like mental health counseling. So I'm very proud that that we've established this and that we've trained up our clinicians to be competent in this area now so that uh, people in, in the remote outlying areas can now receive the counseling that maybe they they couldn't before or maybe they were suspicious of or uh, or maybe we were we were hesitant to, to deliver. So I think that's really cool and I think that's here to stay. And it's not just, like I said, it's not just geographic distance. Now, you know, we can do telehealth on the side of the road. You know, whip out your phone, get on the Zoom meeting, um, pull over, and have your appointment. If you're running late, if there's inclement weather, you can stay home. Obviously, illness uh, allows allows for this to happen. Uh, people who, you know, have to get their kid from school, uh, typically they might have to go home, get changed shovel some food down their their kid's throat and then come to the office now they don't have to do that anymore they can just go home and say you know hey uh we're we're not going to make it on time or in person Uh, and they don't have to cancel their appointment they don't have to skip their care which i think is super super cool um one of the really cool things that's emerged also is is the advent of really aggressive research into disease study um i'm you know i'm not an immunologist and i don't know how immunology works I have some rudimentary knowledge from my high school biology class and some stuff I took in college. But uh, what I'm seeing is very, very encouraging about uh, globally, we've got doctors and um, PhD level people who are uh, studying this stuff in a more fervent pace. And because of the telecommunication, they're able to exchange information a lot faster and achieve goals that were previously thought you know, unthinkable, like um, creating a vaccine or multiple iterations of the vaccine to deal with COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. And, and that's pretty special, I think, and it's it's to be celebrated. So, you know, there, there's an old saying that says, you know, through, through trying times comes ingenuity or, you know, uh, pick, pick your adage that, you know, out of adversity comes uh, new creation and whatnot. I, I think that's to be elevated and i think i think we need to do a better job of of saying hey good job scientists you know like you've done a really remarkable series of of work and effort to help humanity 
Um, I, I don't know that we would have been forced to do that had we not faced this pandemic. So along those lines, too, is, is a, an increased interest in self-care. Uh, yeah, people have been interested in self-care and whatnot and um, so on and so forth for quite some time. But now... Now that we're stuck at home and um, we don't want to go interact with people, you know, without masks and, you know, breathe germs on each other like we used to, thinking that oh, our bodies will just maybe we'll get sick, you know, from the Christmas party or whatever and come home. Um, now we've got this looming um, threat of some disease that's that's a little more sinister and a little more serious than than maybe we ever took credit and so what we've done is we've actually helped people to understand that the idea of self-care really matters. Um, and that, and that to me is, is twofold. So, so it bifurcates into take care of your physiological health by wearing a mask, um, staying separate from people, honoring that not everybody's where you are and maybe they're, they're caring for, um, at risk populations in their homes, or maybe they intermingle with them. Um, but also the mental self-care that, comes along with job loss and separation and all the distress and anxiety that is associated with that such that we take more time to slow down meditate pray engage with uh, spiritual exploration read more uh, really good literature out there that we never wanted to cover never had a reason to and now we are because we're we're sort of in this um this ambivalent, uh, nebulous world where nothing is certain anymore. And so what do we do? We, we press in and we start reading what some of the, the ancient authors had, had written long ago about, remarkably, what is affecting us right now. So uh, concepts like being at peace, non-attachment, um, pragmatism, uh, stoicism uh, are now coming to, to the forefront. And I think it's it's wise that we revisit these concepts, concepts like liberty and humanity and respecting where people are that is all in my estimation under the umbrella of self-care and i think that's something that 2020 has brought us it's it's brought us the ability to sit down and really examine where we are who we are where we're going and what we want to do with life and i think that's really special i've talked and posted at length about my fears about suicidal ideation, anxiety, depression, uh, child abuse, uh, domestic violence, and so forth. The flip side of that coin is it's now also invited other people in to take a look at, at those. Those also th- those are also pandemics um, and really examine them in, in great detail such that we become almost um, – I guess, curious about new strategies. So if it hasn't been working before, what can we do differently now that it's, you know, the magnifying glass is on us and, and things become augmented. And I think that's really, really cool. What it's forced to is partnerships and, and different campaigns and, and, um, and collaboration. So yeah, we may have gotten some money from the federal government, at least in, you know, in the United States. And if you're listening to this overseas, um, maybe your government has done the same, maybe it hasn't. But the point is, we've now got an actual commitment to health care. I hope that it's sustainable. I, I really do. I, I hope that it's sustainable. And I know that hope is not a strategy. So my invitation through this 
soliloquy, this, this, this sermon, if you will, is that if you find yourself motivated to sustain this kind of effort that you really activate to go talk to your legislative representatives and ask them to make an affirmative commitment to healthcare and not just, um, you know, print some money and cut some checks and, um, pretend that the problem is going to go away, but, but actually really, really commit, um, commit some resources, maybe not just money, but, but through some other incentives like, um, you know, student loan forgiveness would be a great opportunity. Um, right now the, the, the hurdles for student loan forgiveness, if you're serving in the healthcare community are pretty substantial, you have to meet certain criteria and you have to, you know, serve various demographics and whatnot. But I think that our need has now outstripped those certain criteria, those those certain parameters, that we can't just pretend that we're going to forgive student loans and that's going to entice people to go serve uh, 200 miles away from wherever you, you live or work. Uh, it's, it's in urban areas too. And let's face it, like as a nation, we're facing a provider shortage. And certainly in Nevada, where I'm recording from, this is a, you know, we're, we're in the dead last uh 51st uh, per Mental Health America's survey, uh, 51st for many years running. And that's, of course, you know, there's 50 states in the Union, there's the District of Columbia. So if you factor that in, we're, we're dead last. And if Nevada can pull itself together and maybe make a recommitment to health care, we're going to have something really cool spawn out of this uh, apparently otherwise abysmal 2020. And I don't know that it's that abysmal. Um, it's taught us about resilience too. resilience, the ability to bounce back. I've done a couple of videos on resilience now about how we learn to tolerate distress. And then we learn to get through the distress because it's temporary. And then the cool thing about that is on the other side of the distress tolerance, we get to bounce back. Of course, we'll be well and we'll, we'll learn from that and so forth. But we get to teach other people too. So all the people who are observing us through this time, if we, if we ourselves can be resilient, then we also learn to teach others how to be resilient. And I think that's kind of a, a lost art for a lot of people who um, you know, are three or four generations removed from the great global wars, uh, e- even the Cold War, which ostensibly ended in the late 80s and early 90s between the you know the the so-called west and the east i don't know that anybody who's under the age of about 40 really appreciates what that is or really even under the age of 50 and i think what that's done is it's allowed us to to find a new way of being resilient we learn to uh, lean in our our communities we grab each other and and pull together you know, with masks and you know, with appropriate uh, physical distancing, of course, um, but it but it also allows us to to maybe uh, to, you know tap some resources that we previously took for granted, and maybe maybe look to our elders a little bit too, and say, hey, what what did you learn, grandma and grandpa, or mom and dad, from you know the the times that you had to endure distress? Um, one of the things that I've opined on lately is. The idea that we've lost our distress tolerance with instant gratification with our, our our mobile devices and our tablets and whatnot, the ability to just look up information at less than a second's uh, time passing, we we can we can just type something in. We no longer have to go to the card catalog and uh, look it up in the library. There's no more encyclopedias. 
Uh, we just have the Google machine, right? And so what happens when an entire generation or three generations even has become so accustomed to getting things delivered instantly that we lost the ability to be patient? You know, maybe maybe this pandemic is allowing us the opportunity to sit on our asses and be patient and just wait and just wait. There's, there's no magic bean that's going to fix this. And I've talked about that in, in different uh, avenues as well. So maybe 2020 hasn't been so bad. Maybe, maybe 2020 has forced us to be more innovative as well in the way that we bring things like concerts and events to people. Um, yeah, sure. We've got, we've got empty stadiums, but sports are still being played and we get to cheer for our teams and, you know, education is now finding itself in this new realm whereby we don't get the captive audience in front of us in the classroom anymore, but we get a captive audience online. And that maybe has, has compelled some people, professors, teachers, and so forth to get really creative about how they deliver their content. And if you're not delivering content that captures the imagination and, and brings people in, uh, you, you got to get better at it if you want to keep your job. And you got to get better at it if you if you just want to deliver what's in your head and the old lecture format doesn't work. You got to get creative with new media and alternative media and different ways to to reach people. So I'm actually inspired. I I think that this is for for all the woes that we lament and for all the the death and destruction that are put into the headlines and so forth. I think it's really compelled a lot of folks to to take stock of of what they have in life and really be appreciative of it. And if you haven't yet, here's your chance. You know, like instead of taking your disappointment and channeling it into angry, vitriolic posts online and maybe drawing political lines around people in different encampments, maybe don't do that. Maybe maybe humble yourself. Um, if you if you don't have the answer. Be humble and receive new information. And if you do really truly have the answer, maybe humble yourself and present it in a different way that's not going to be off-putting to your intended audience. So irrespective of what you have to offer or what your, what your uh, position may be, I think humility needs to, to resurface too. And maybe that's another opportunity that 2020 has brought us. So you know, we've had we've had record setting fires and we've had civil unrest and we've got riots in cities and uh, peaceful protests turned into riots and hijacked by movements that that don't have the best interests in mind. And and we've got all sorts of disease and, and people dying. And of course, it's being pumped into our, our psyches through headlines and, and you know, different avenues that want to advertise and generate money and all that. Um, maybe this is an opportunity for us to say, you know what? I don't need the information overload. Maybe I don't need to drink out of a fire hose all the time. Maybe we need to to return to peace and tranquility that we really haven't ever embraced for the last couple of generations because we've been so interested in pursuing quarter four, outperforming quarter three, and um, sacrificing our families so that we can go to the office and get business done. And uh, maybe just pause, you know, take a take a time out and and pull back, be present with each other. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Um, there, there's, 
there was a great uh, there was a great attempt, and and uh, it was it was so well received that that it got bought out. I guess uh, some good news um, I think was was one of the great things to come out of this because it makes us you know pivot our our attention away from all the all the death and destruction and start paying attention to the way that people are bouncing back and the way that communities support each other and yeah sure there's graffiti all over the place after a riot and then what doesn't get covered very often is the the resurgence afterward that you know several citizens go out and scrub off the graffiti and clean up the the wreckage and so maybe if we don't engage in that maybe if maybe if we we are aware of the you know the the contemptuous nature that that living in this world tugs us into we can resist that and start to re-engage in helping each other i think that's a real positive i think it really really brings folks together if you allow yourself to do it and i'm not saying that everybody's allowing themselves to do it for sure there's still people who want to stake their claim and carve out their own turf and say you know beyond this line you shall not cross and if you cross it then i will shun you or whatever um but maybe maybe that doesn't need to rule the day Maybe what needs to rule the day is the idea that we f- we refocus our our thinking brain on stuff that's positive, and um, and then we'll 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 feel a lot better. And please don't interpret this as my invitation to pretend that bad things don't happen. Bad things are happening all over the place. Um, it's it's one of our natural innate responses to environment. It comes from our limbic system, which is you know the middle slash rear part of our brain. The limbic system is comprised of 10 essential emotions. I talk a lot about this, one of which is disgust. And uh, it's okay to have disgust against things like racism and totalitarian governments, you know, things that are simply unhealthy for humanity. We, sh- we should fight those things. Excuse me. We, sh- we should fight against overreaching governmental representation. We should fight against fascism. We should fight against racism. We should fight against things that don't bring people together. Um, any separation uh, that's not based in logic and begets violence is not good. That has all happened in 2020. And yet still, there are people, and I will use myself as an example, who are fighting to walk through the middle of the chasm and try to invite people into it. Because people like me, uh, and there are many, many others out there, don't necessarily believe that that the two extremes are the only thing that exists. We absolutely fundamentally believe that most people live in the middle of the the so-called bell curve. And if you live in the middle there and you, you're wondering where to go, drop your sword, man. You know, stop stop slaying other people. Stop stop lashing out. Start to invite people in. Don't get into the power struggles. Be at peace. Invite people into your peace and teach that to your children. Please, please, for the, for the love of all that is human and for the future of humanity, invite people into your peace. If you've got it, shout it from the rooftops. But don't beat people over the head with it because a lot of folks are just simply not in that spot right now. And we don't need to, you know, berate them or judge them for not being where we are. We need to mean where they are. And if they're angry and they're destructive, and they want to, you know, have beef with whatever they have beef with. Our job as the peacemakers, as the peacekeepers, is to go to them and invite them in to see what's possible in the middle of the chasm, 
It's not so dark. It's not so deep. It's definitely not irrecoverable. And I, th- I think that there's great, great positive opportunity to come out of this. We don't just simply shrug it off and say, positive vibes only. That's, that's not what we do. Uh, we want to acknowledge the hurt and the possibility for redemption. So, you know, this is just my way of uh, saying all is not lost. Let's, let's not give over to the extreme language of 2020 sucks entirely and altogether top to bottom. That's not true. It's fundamentally not true. And I ticked off several examples of why that's not true. Um, weddings, births, recovery, resilience, uh, doubling down of, of commitments to serve others ahead of self. Those are all great things that have come out of this. So if you're watching this or you're listening... I invite you to notice the areas in your life where you have happiness, where you have peace. And while you grieve the losses and you strategize how to navigate the the scary stuff, please also anchor yourself into the benefits that have come into your life through the course of this otherwise ugly year. And don't give over to the extreme language that it's horrible and that it's terrible and that everything sucks because it doesn't so if I may be so bold I would invite you to consider that 2020 isn't actually all bad there are bad things but there's always bad things in every year and this year through the bad things we see opportunities to become great but we also want to acknowledge the positive things that have happened in this year that would have happened in any other year and not discount them Hope you find this informational. If you want to reach out to me or any of us, uh, info at zephyrwellness.org. We also have a couple of podcasts, of uh, which I'm a part, Noggin Notes and Walk the Talk America. Walk the Talk America podcast is called Guns and Mental Health. You can go info at wtta.org or info at nogginnotes.com. Love to hear your feedback. And um, please move forward loving each other. I love what I do. I love bringing hope to humanity. And, um, I, I really hope that this reaches you too. Share it with somebody else. Uh, this stuff doesn't do any good locked up in my head. So, uh, please spread the, spread the message. 2020 has not entirely sucked. Thanks as always for listening. I'm Jake. Enjoy your day. Mm-hmm.